0: What is all this fuss about blue light? You've probably heard about it having something to do with the backlighting on your smartphone or other electronic device. But what actually is blue light? What's it doing to your brain? Is it really that bad? Well, let's see what the science says. It's Sister Doctor Squared, episode 20. Let's go!
1: We'd like to acknowledge the Turrbal and Jagera people as the traditional owners of the land from which we are recording this episode. We are coming to you from Mianjin country. We pay our respects to elders past and present and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today. Thanks, Janine. Alina, as you know, I am just back from the most awesome holiday in Western Australia. I'm still on Western Australian time, which has been messing with my sleep a bit, which is kind of ironic given the topic we are going to get into today. It's only a two hour time difference, but just enough to be a little irritating. And I was up very late preparing for this episode with all the lights on in my house. So I had lots (laughs) of artificial light pumping into my eyeballs and the irony was not lost on me. So, how are you going? Well,
0: first of all, thanks for the chocolates from Denmark. I didn't know that there was a Denmark
1: <laughs> in Western Australia. Yeah, I know. Now to I To clarify that to everyone I gave gifts to, I didn't go to Europe. I went to Western Australia. <laughs> Denmark's a beautiful little place.
0: Yes. Well, the chocolate was really good. Thanks. I finished that yesterday. Oh, Good. Well, yes, timely that you had that experience given (laughs) our episode. But before we get into that, huge thanks to everyone who listened to the last episode about the link between music and emotion. We got a really great response to that. Yes. People loved it. Clearly got a few Musos listening out there. Yeah,
1: maybe. (laughs) Our most listened to episode within a week ever. Yes. Most downloaded within the first week. Mm. So thanks, Squares. That's awesome. So moving on to today's topic, we've chosen this one in large part because I do a lot of work with students as a learning advisor, and I do advise them to reduce artificial light at night and to suppress the blue light on their mobiles or laptops. But some query whether this is really necessary. So we were discussing this, you and I, and we decided let's cover it in an episode. Let's get stuck into it. Yeah, exactly. Let's look at what does the science actually say? I'd like to go over a few topics before I get stuck into the paper that I've chosen just to make sure that some of the core concepts make sense. So the first of these is the circadian rhythm. So if anyone hasn't heard this term before, in humans, this is a 24-hour body clock and it controls things like your sleeping and waking cycles, the release of certain hormones, body temperature, and also eating and digestion. And exposure to light has been very well established to be linked with our circadian rhythms. We are what's called a diurnal species. This means we are generally awake in the day and asleep at night, as opposed to being a nocturnal species. The key hormone that regulates our circadian rhythms is melatonin. This is the so-called sleep hormone. Melatonin is produced by the pineal gland, and also in small amounts by the retina in the eye. I learned. Mm, I didn't know that. No, no, did I? This release occurs mostly at night when there is darkness. And in fact, melatonin levels start to increase after the onset of darkness. And they peak between 2 and 4 a.m. And then the levels gradually reduce until the time of waking. There is also variation in melatonin levels across seasons. In winter, there is generally more melatonin being released, especially if you Mm -hmm. live in high latitudes. I also learned that infants produce very little melatonin, which makes a lot of sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And interestingly, melatonin levels peak during early childhood and then they slowly decline as we age. Mm. So I'll put some links up in the show notes to some of the things I was reading getting this information. It was pretty interesting. I'm sure many listeners have heard and may have even tried melatonin as a sleep aid. It is something you can purchase and some people find it very helpful. So we understand that artificial light at night may disrupt our circadian rhythms, but let's focus in on this blue light specifically. Human eyes can perceive light from what's called the visible spectrum. This is essentially light that covers the colours in a rainbow. We can't perceive light outside this range. So that would be light like UV light, infrared light. We can detect it with devices, but we can't actually see it, right? Yeah. And I learned a lot about the physics of light when I was doing my Bowerbird research because I was investigating what items were most popular by those males because you may remember that they love collecting blue. And I was using spectrometry to try and establish what shades of blue and whether there was other colours involved.
0: Yes. throw back to our Why Do Bowerbirds Hoard and Steal Blue Stuff
1: That's episode. Right. Listen to yes. that if you haven't yet. And I'll, I'm going to put a link up to a page from the Khan Academy, which I love as a teaching aid, uh, all around light, if people are interested in this. It's very fascinating. It's important to point out that blue light is not inherently bad. We are surrounded by it during the day. There is blue light in sunlight. What seems to be the issue potentially is when we are exposed to artificial light and especially blue light at nighttime. Artificial sources of light at night could include light bulbs, TVs, and smartphones, and other tech devices. Okay, so now I'm going to move into the paper that I have chosen. This paper is by Hio and colleagues. It was published in 2017 in the Journal of Psychiatric Research. The paper opens by just summarising some statistics around smartphone use, because this paper is focusing on that type of device and the light emitted from that device. Apparently, in 2011, the average American spent one and a half hours on a smartphone each day. Two years later in 2013, that had increased to three hours on average. Ooh, yep. And I, so that's that was the latest stats reported in this paper. I then went and had a look and found evidence for in 2021, it's more like four to five hours per day, which mm, I think yep. would, yep, yeah, that would relate for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the paper, they discuss smartphones being used just prior to sleep. And the paper quotes that in 2013, 39% of Americans were doing this and the rate was doubled when looking at teens and young people. And, I mean, mm-hmm. I think that would surely be higher now. I would think most people with a smartphone are probably looking yeah. at it at night. Yeah, sure. Yep. Alina, do you do this? Of course, we all do. <laughs> Everyone who has a
0: smartphone does
1: this, I yeah, think. Yeah, even if you just mean, maybe, checking maybe maybe messages. Maybe not you, you're a bit
0: more diligent. No? Uh, yeah, getting. I am. Yeah.
1: We'll get into that later. <laughs> yeah, we will. All right. So smartphones have LED light and this does emit artificial light in that it is not a natural source of light, right? Of course. We didn't evolve with this sort of light exposure at this time of the day. This paper cites previous studies that do show how artificial light at night, and this could be from any artificial light source, can affect things like circadian rhythms. It can suppress melatonin, that sleep hormone we discussed, it can increase fatigue levels, affect mood, and affect cognition, which is to say thinking ability and ability to problem solve. Doesn't sound great. No. Importantly, LED lights emit more short wavelengths blue light than other artificial light sources. And there is evidence to suggest that light of these shorter wavelengths suppresses melatonin more than light of longer wavelengths. Now, when we're talking about these short and long wavelengths, we're just talking about different colours of light. So again, I'll put some links up if you're interested in this, but blue light has a shorter wavelength. Red light, on the other hand, has a longer wavelength. And Mm -hmm. exposure to these shorter wavelengths like blue light can contribute to insomnia. That has been shown in some previous studies. On the other hand, exposure to blue light in the morning has been shown to be an effective treatment for depression in some people. Mm -hmm. At the time of this paper being published, there had been no previous studies of smartphones in particular as the source of artificial light at night. So, this is what the authors wanted to investigate. They wanted to do a high quality experiment to really test the effect of short wavelength blue light coming from smartphones in terms of its impact on sleep. In this study, they tested LED smartphones at night in two groups. One group was given smartphones that emitted a normal level of blue light. And then the other group was given smartphones where the blue light had been completely suppressed. This study was a randomised, double-blind, crossover, placebo-controlled study. Now that is quite the mouthful. (laughs) That gets me excited. I know it gets Alina excited, but we're going to unpack what does that actually mean. Okay, so the randomised component means that participants were allocated to those two groups randomly. Double-blind means that neither the participants nor the experimenters know which group participants have been assigned to. The crossover component means that participants would be in one group in week one and then they would also be put into the other group in week two. So at the completion of the experiment, every participant is being exposed to both types of smartphone and there was a one-week break in the middle. And finally, the placebo-controlled component I've got a quote from the paper that I think sums this up well. The two types of LED displays were indistinguishable from each other with the naked eye because the other wavelengths were used to mimic blue light in the suppressed LED. Ooh. I know. I don't completely understand how that's possible, but what it's saying is that if you looked at these two phones side by side, it wasn't like one appeared to be more warm or orange or red. They both looked the same. So that's a very well-designed study, in my opinion. Yes, very good. The study only included middle-aged adult males. This was done intentionally to control for the effect of fluctuations in female hormones. You may like to go back to our fight, flight, and freeze episode to hear us talk about why this can sometimes be problematic. Mm. I'll just leave that there. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) The researchers excluded people whose results might bias the findings. So this included people with any current sleep or vision conditions, plus shift workers or anyone with any recent jet lag. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. There were 22 participants in total. This is quite a small sample size I'd like to point out. The participants attended a medical research centre for two to three days. This is pretty cool. In this centre, all participants were in identical rooms with identical beds. Their diet was controlled to be identical. And they all stayed in that unit for the whole period without leaving. So they're they're really trying to control as many potential confounding variables as possible. Yep. So again, very well designed. Participants were also asked to keep a regular sleep pattern for the week prior. So this meant they were to have fixed sleeping and waking times and to get eight hours of sleep. So again, just really trying to control everything before they even arrive. Mm. I wouldn't be able to participate in this study. (laughs) (laughs) We might get into that soon. (laughs) We'll get to that. Okay. So as I said, they were there for the three days. On the evening of day two is when they participated in the experiment, which is where they played games on a smartphone from 7.30 until 10pm. Researchers also ensured that the light levels in the room were controlled, which is important to point out because if you've got one person in the dark with their smartphone and another person with all the lights on in the smartphone, that's completely different light source, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And the lights were very dimmed. Also, they made sure that everyone's smartphone was controlled to be 25 centimetres from their face at all times. So they're even controlling the distance from which the light is being emitted, which, to be honest, I don't know if I would have thought of that part if I was running this experiment. (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah, that is important too, isn't it? Okay, so they recorded blood cortisol, which is another what Was it parent. attached to their head or something? They didn't give any, I, I mean, I'm glad you asked that because this is what my brain did too. I was trying to think, oh, so they have like a selfie stick or something and it was attached <laughs> exactly. to it. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how they did that, but that's. Yeah, and how do you police that? <laughs> yeah, was someone watching them going, hey, take that phone away from your face? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what, like um, like school dancers when they had the ruler? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> too close, too close. Um, do you know what else I did? <laughs> I thought twenty-five centimeters—that sounds really far away. So I got a ruler out and went, "Oh no, that's about the distance I hold my phone from my face." <laughs> yeah. So you can do that at home, everyone. Get get okay. it, get out your smartphone and your ruler. Twenty-five centimeters. See if you fit the experimental conditions. Okay. So the researchers then they recorded blood cortisol which is another hormone which does fluctuate on a circadian rhythm and also that melatonin hormone that we've mentioned they measured mm. these every hour before during and after the smartphone use including while they were sleeping so getting okay. nice time scale here They also recorded body temperature and this is because body temperature also follows its own circadian rhythm as I mentioned And we know that we reach our minimum daily body temperature during sleep. Participants also completed several measurement scales before and after the LED light exposures. These included measurement scales for mood, sleepiness, fatigue, sleep quality, and participants performed some cognitive performance tests. So let's get into the results. Researchers looked for differences before and after smartphone use for each participant. For those that were using the smartphones that were emitting the blue light, they found higher body temperature on average after use of the smartphone. This was not found to be statistically significant though. They did find reduced melatonin levels in those exposed to the blue light. Again, it wasn't statistically significant. The timing of melatonin onset, so when that melatonin started being released, was also later. Again, this also wasn't statistically significant. Participants were significantly less sleepy after smartphone use. This was significant. Participants were also significantly less fatigued after blue light exposure. Mm. And those participants using the blue light phones did have more errors on cognitive performance tests after blue light exposure, and that was also significant. Okay, so
0: it seems like all of the results are in the direction that they would expect. Yep. But just not all of them were statistically significant. So yes. it is kind of painting a bit of a picture still, right? Yes,
1: yeah, so although the body temperature and melatonin change wasn't statistically significant, the authors still described it as clinically significant and they still mm. urge control of blue light from devices at night. Particularly as we did see the downstream effect, we did see that people were not as sleepy, they were not as fatigued, and they were having more of those errors. So yeah. There was an impact, but they couldn't kind of pin it all on the melatonin explicitly in this experiment.
0: Yeah. And when by clinically significant, what they mean is that. This is actually probably having a meaningful
1: impact. Yes. The authors do suggest suppression of blue light at night and also the delivery of bright blue light in the morning. Previous studies have certainly shown significant effects of melatonin, but these were using light boxes and focused on brightness rather than on smartphone displays. So the authors point out some limitations of the study, which is important to to run through. The sample size was quite small. It was only 22 they do effectively double that by having that crossover design, but that could explain why they didn't quite see the statistically significant results that were expected. As I mentioned at the beginning, there were no females, so we don't see any sex differences. There was no one in the group with insomnia. I would like to see this tested in a in those people because they do have sleep issues and perhaps those with sleep issues may be much more sensitive to these sorts of things. So this was a group of healthy men who had no sleep issues. So it's possible that they're just not as sensitive to it. And the authors also do point out that they didn't actually measure the sleep itself. So they, that would include things like how long did it take them to fall asleep, looking at the brainwaves during the sleep, the sleep cycle length, all of that. That wasn't covered. Other studies have looked into that though. Yes. And the authors suggest that future work could vary the amount of time exposed to the blue light. So they did it from 7.30 till 10 p.m. Perhaps a longer amount of time may show different results. So although there wasn't compelling evidence for the link between blue light and melatonin, we did see significant impacts on sleepiness, fatigue, and cognitive performance. The authors do suspect this was due to melatonin, but they just didn't have the statistical power to show that. I would, as I mentioned, really love to see a study like this done in people with sleep issues and insomnia. And I believe that's where I should pass over to you, Alina. Well, very good, Janine, because
0: actually you may get your wish because the study that I read did indeed look at blue light exposure in people with a sleep issue, namely insomnia. (laughs) So let's get into that after the break. Okay, so actually this study was looking at the effects of reducing nighttime blue light exposure. I'll explain all that momentarily. The study was by Ari Schechterer and colleagues from the USA. It was published in 2018 in the Journal of Psychiatric Research, same journal as the paper you covered, Janine. Yep. I loved this paper. Oh, good. It was very clear and it was quite a joy to read actually and I just identified with it so much because, as you know, I have had phases of insomnia over many years. Yes. As have I. We go way back, insomnia and I. We are quite well acquainted. (laughs) So I was really interested to check out this paper and mentally put myself among the participants. So what's it all about? Well, the researchers wanted to test whether wearing blue light blocking lenses before bedtime would improve sleep for people with insomnia. Yeah. Uh, people are probably familiar with insomnia. It's a sleep disorder where you have difficulty falling or staying asleep or waking up frequently during sleep. People with insomnia often feel tired, irritable um, during the day, and can have trouble concentrating. <laughs> The causes of insomnia are complex. It's often due to a combination of the way your brain works, certain behavioral factors, and physiological factors. So, the inner workings of your body. But blue light exposure at night may be contributing to the problem. Yeah. So, if people with insomnia are doing what many of us do and are using blue light emitting devices at night, close to bedtime, then it may be exacerbating their sleep issues, Mm. which begs the question, does using special lenses at night to block blue light reduce insomnia? So the participants in this study were 15 men and women from the New York City area. So this was another fairly small study. Mm -hmm. The participants had diagnosed insomnia for at least three months. To be included in the study, participants could not have other characteristics or conditions that might affect their sleep. So trying to control some of that bias, just as they did in your study, Janine. Yeah. So, for example, the researchers excluded people who had things like restless leg syndrome, narcolepsy, Mm. and also shift workers, and my favourite, people who had a child under one year old at home. (laughs) Sorry, parents of infants, blue light blocking lenses aren't going to help you.
1: <laughs> no, really not. <laughs> that was when my insomnia was at its worst. Actually, when I had a an infant. And, oh, I remember. I was oh there. Oh man, far out. I was. I was just generally struggling to fall asleep and stay asleep. And then I had a baby waking up. And yeah, it was it was great fun times. <laughs> Yes, a baby who we've learned was producing very little melatonin, yeah? <laughs> That's right. There we go. But seriously, if I had known that at the time, do you I think if people know that, it's helpful because you'll go, of okay, course. accept this is how it is. It's going to get better. Because in those phases, anyone listening who's been in the trenches with the newborn, it just feels like it's never going to get better. Mm. That's emotionally how you feel. You just feel like it's never going to get better and it will. It will get better. They will start making melatonin and it will get better. They're basically just
0: (laughs) in the same rhythm as they were inside your uterus. They're just now external. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let's come back to the study. Now, the study Janine went through excluded people with insomnia, of course, but this study is specifically targeting them. Good. That's what I want. (laughs) Yes, so long as they don't have other things going on that that might be messing up their sleep. Yeah. Yeah, so this study I could join. Now, this was another randomised control trial, yay. Mm -hmm. Um, Participants were randomly assigned to wear amber blue light blocking lenses or clear placebo lenses for one week. These were like a wraparound pair of sunnies and participants wore the lenses for two hours before bedtime and during any nocturnal awakenings.
1: (laughs) I was going to ask you, initially I thought they were wearing them all the time.
0: (laughs) No, two Two hours before bedtime. And if they got up and needed to put on a light for something, then they had to put them on. Okay. So factoid for you, Janine, these particular Mm. blue light blocking lenses block 65% of blue light. So some still gets through, Mm. but most doesn't. And that will vary with the different lenses depending on the manufacturer mm-hmm. specifications from what mm-hmm. I've learned, but that was the case in this study. Um, now, they did this experiment at home. So this is a pragmatic oh, okay. study. It's yep. not a highly controlled lab-based study like the study Janine covered. Yeah, so yeah. very different. In this study, they also used a crossover design. So each participant did a week wearing the blue light blocking lenses and then a week wearing the placebo lenses. And like you said, Janine, in a crossover design, you do one condition and then cross over to the other. And just so that the squares know, you do this type of experiment because each participant kind of acts as their own control. And mm. so you don't need as many participants. You touched on that, Janine. So mm. it's really good for practical reasons and funding. Yay. There was a break in between wearing the different lenses. This is often done in crossover trials to reduce the chance of one condition affecting the other. Mm -hmm. And in trials, this is called a washout period. In this case, there was four weeks in between the different types of lenses. Janine, in yours, I think you said there was a one week. Yes, one week. So to test whether the lenses improved sleep, the researchers measured insomnia using a formal scale this includes actual sleep measures as well as things like quality of sleep and distress. They also had participants complete a sleep diary and a post-sleep questionnaire, and participants wore an accelerometer to get some objective measures of their sleep. Uh, so Is that like the thing you have on a Fitbit? Yes, it is like one of the fitness devices that many of us have. So did the blue light blocking lenses reduce insomnia? First of all, one participant dropped out, so we're left with 14 folks in the mm-hmm. end. And yes, among this group, blue light blocking lenses significantly reduced insomnia.
1: Really? And it was statistically yes. significant? It was. In only in that, in that in small, small sample? Sm- yes. Wow. Even with this small sample. This is what I was waiting for. We need to test in the people with the sleep issues. Continue. <laughs> exactly. You may continue. <laughs> You're welcome. When
0: wearing the blue light blocking lenses, participants said they slept longer... Woke up later, had less distress, and they reported better soundness and quality of sleep. Awesome. Sounds nice. There was also a measure of sleep efficiency, which I love. This is basically the proportion of time spent in bed. When you are actually sleeping so, and not staring at the ceiling, thinking about how little sleep you're getting and thinking about all the things you have to do tomorrow and wondering what Björk's new album will be like and starting to listen to Björk's new album and starting to text Janine about Björk's new album and so on and so on and so on and so on. My sleep efficiency at times is not awesome. Um so, in this study, sleep efficiency was slightly increased, but it wasn't statistically significant. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, the accelerometer data showed participants slept longer when wearing the blue light blocking lenses. It didn't show any difference on the other sleep measures, though, including sleep efficiency.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But look, so much of insomnia is about a person's subjective experience, right? Yes, and they talk about this in the paper, you can objectively record eight hours of sleep, but if you Mm. feel it wasn't restful, if you feel it was rubbish sleep Mm. and you suffer the next day because of it, then that's far more meaningful than how many hours your fitness device Mm. says you slept, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point.
0: Yeah. So when they're interpreting these results, they've kind of given more weight to the subjective measures, which is fair. I'm fine with that, Janine. Are you fine with that? Yeah, no, I totally am fine with that. We're fine with that. Yeah. Okay. So overall, what the researchers concluded was that these blue light blocking lenses significantly reduced insomnia and they expect that this is because there was less blue light getting through people's eyes close to bedtime and messing with their melatonin, that all-important sleep hormone. Mm. Now, they didn't actually measure melatonin levels in this studies, unlike mm-hmm. your study, Janine. Mm-hmm. So we don't know for sure that that's what happened, but it fits with what we know about how blue light affects circadian rhythms. Still, they say it's important to do more studies like this and actually measure melatonin to confirm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's kind of gaps in both of the studies that we've covered, but together yes. they're, they're kind of telling a nice story. I yeah, think. that's what I was just thinking.
1: Alina, I have a query I think I know what it is. Oh, okay. Well, let's see. You mentioned that the the two different types of glasses, one was amber and one was clear. So does this yeah. mean the lenses in the glasses? Is this what you thought I was going to ask you? Yeah. So they <laughs> didn't, I had
0: the same thought and just, they didn't really address this in the paper. They described them as amber blue light blocking lenses or clear placebo lenses. Mm. So presumably there was a visible difference in the lenses. Yes, because then
1: my query is that the participants, especially as they're in the crossover, are going to see a visible difference in the glasses and may be able to attribute which is the experimental condition. Yeah. That's my query. Potentially. Yeah, they didn't talk about this in the paper. But if they did, it does increase the chance of um, placebo effects. And people might like to go back to our episode about placebo and nocebo. But really, at the end of the day, if you have insomnia and you put on some amber glasses and you get better sleep due to placebo, that's probably okay. Yeah, don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Give them to me. So let's this paper's awesome. I'm happy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, like I said earlier, insomnia is complex. Blue light at night alone might not cause insomnia but it looks like it can contribute. Mm. And in this study, the blue light blocking lenses reduced insomnia, but it didn't totally cure it. So participants had better insomnia scores for the blue light blocking lenses condition, but they still had some symptoms. Mm. So all this to say, if you're already prone to sleeping problems Mm. and, you know, this bothers you, then you probably don't want to do anything that's going to mess with your circadian rhythms. Mm. Blue light at night looks to be one of those triggers. Mm. There's plenty of other triggers too, of course. We don't have time to get into that. This is mm. why I drink only decaf coffee and never past midday. And that's just one thing in my laundry mm. list of things that I do to manage insomnia. Yes. Did you hear that sound, Janine? Not. No. That was the sound of coffee lovers out there revolting against me oh, and this right. podcast. I thought, you,
1: I thought you were saying there was something in the background and we were going to have to record that, re-record that no, section. No, <laughs> that was just the sound of, oh, she disgust
0: from all the coffee lovers. I'm sorry, but Janine knows this is a good call for me. Oh, yeah.
1: I I can go to 4pm, but only tea. I don't drink coffee at all. I cannot do coffee. I will never sleep. <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't even drink black or green tea anymore. It's oh, wow. at that stage. Yeah, okay. There's still some caffeine in decaf, mind you. So Yeah, there is. I might need to reconsider that. Anyway, so there you go. Blue light blocking lenses look like a pretty easy safe and for many people would be an affordable way to try and improve their sleep if they have insomnia, without drugs and without going screen-free at night because nobody mm. wants to do that. No. So, Alina, are you going to consider this for yourself? I am considering it. Yes. Mm. So I have all of my devices. I have the the it's called night light in the settings, but it's yep. reducing the blue light in the phone. So I've I use that always and as you know I do due to time zones and the work that I do, I'm often working at night and yes, on my computer and so yes, I've always used those settings. But there's other sources of blue light that are really hard to block. So Mm. just from the lights in your house, from your TV. My TV is quite old. It doesn't have the technology to turn off to block the blue light. Yeah. So maybe these lenses are an option. And Mm. this study is from 2018, so I'm not sure if devices had the blue light blocking technology then. I I
1: don't think it was as easy.
0: So nowadays you can change the settings to block the blue light or reduce Mm. it on your devices if they're new enough. Um, but like, yeah, uh, like I've said, there's other sources just in the, the lights in your home. I think these glasses could be a good option for some people still.
1: Well, what I was going to suggest to listeners and I'll suggest it to you too, Alina, is do your own experiment on yourself. Of course. Try, go, go a week and get your devices and see if you can modify these blue light settings and just go a week with it suppressed or minimised and see if it helps. Get down the data, have a look, do some analyses. Yeah, be a nerd, be a square. Yeah, it's fun and it will help your life. <laughs> I've done this, and this is what I suggest to my students when they're querying this. We, we discuss, okay, well, let's do one or two weeks of this condition and one or two weeks of this condition and see. And then the data, the data doesn't lie, right? And I, my computer, as Alina knows, is ancient. It's uh, pushing eight years old. Like all devices, I'll push it as long as I damn well can. And (laughs) (laughs) it does not have any of this, uh, the ability to do it within the computer. But there is software called f.lux software, which is free and that, mimics the time zone you're in and changes the level of blue light to mimic that. So I've been using that for a really long time and I find it so helpful. And when I'm doing it, sometimes you might be doing some work late at night that is colour sensitive. So say, for example, I'm trying to do some graphic design or something, right? So then you can temporarily disable it. And when I do that, the effect on my brain of all this bright blue light just blasting in my face, it's very clear to me that that's not good for me at that time of night. Oh, well, you've just become accustomed to the, to the amber. Oh, that's
0: too much. I'm the same. If someone else, if I'm with someone else who doesn't use these technologies and says, hey, look at this on my phone and they show it to me, it actually hurts my eyes. I have to yes, say, get same. that away from me, please. Would you please turn down the brightness at least and then I'll look at your picture. It's
1: like when someone turns on the TV too loud and you're like, no, nah, turn it yes, down. Yes. It's exactly the it's same like feeling. I feel too. very stressed. <laughs> uh, the CDC does actually suggest dimming lights two hours before bed. So that's another thing thinking about your devices, but also dimming your lights, using lamps over bright lights, all these things. I think they can all help, particularly if insomnia or sleep is an issue for you and that bothers you.
0: Yeah. And in terms of insomnia, like I said, it's complex. There's all sorts of other things that are probably going to be beneficial mm. around sleep hygiene, all sorts of other things. It's, mm-hmm. it's not just blue light, but blue
1: light is one potential trigger. I'm sure we're going to get more into some of these other topics in time. Sure. Alina, please, please post a photo of you in your new lenses if you get them to Instagram. This isn't a commercial
0: podcast. I'm not going to <laughs> plug anyone.
1: But, I, but you know, Specsavers, OPSM,
0: <laughs> Bailey Nelson, Oscar <laughs> Wiley, anyone from these stores who might be listening, if you want to plug. If you want me to buy my blue light blocking lenses from your store, come to Dr Square. <laughs> No, I'm totally kidding. We would never do that. No.
1: Okay, so, Janine, what time is it? It's in a square time and I want to go first, please. Oh, sure. (laughs) I did this last time. I just jumped right in. So you go right ahead. Yeah, well, as I mentioned at the beginning, I just got back from the most awesome holiday in Western Australia. I just wanted to recap the various ways that I nerded out on holiday, if that's okay. Okay, how long have we got? It doesn't stop. The, the the squareiness of me doesn't stop even no. when I'm on holiday. Never stops. Um, Alina, as you know, other listeners may not know, I did live in Perth in Western Australia for ten years, but I haven't been able to go back for seven years. And part of that was obviously COVID enforced craziness. So going back was just amazing. And I was so struck by the botanical diversity, which I obviously knew about when I lived there, but just experiencing that again. My amazing friends, Nat and Shay, took my boy and I on a wildflower exploration just less than an hour from Perth. In three kilometres, I would say we saw at least 50 different species of wildflowers. Mm. And yes, I photographed all of them. And oh, it was just the best. (laughs) Oh yeah, have a look at Janine's Instagram if you want to see some of those. Yeah, um, we also went to Rottnest Island, and this is famous for having quokkas, which are super, super cute marsupials. They kind of look like chipmunks, but they have pouches. <laughs> and they were in their breeding season, so there were baby quokkas everywhere. <gasps> they're so cute. Oh, they're so cute, and they're so tame. They are a protected species, but they're very calm around people, and so you can get selfies. It's awesome. And they were very calm around me, but one of them did bite my finger. Yes, they do say not to, you shouldn't touch them. You can, you can get close and take <laughs> a, Everyone take a photo. Them. No, you can get close and take a photo, but you shouldn't touch them. They do bite and it I don't her. think I did.
0: I don't recall what I was doing to get my finger <laughs> bitten by a quokka. It was still super cute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, as I said, I took my boy. He's 10 now. But when we left Perth, he was only three. So it was also really fascinating to observe that he remembered absolutely nothing of this place mm. that was so central to the early part of his life. He remembered mm-hmm. nothing except for just a few items that we've sort of kept alive, maybe through photographs or stories. He would be able to bring a little bit, but I thought, well, we've kept yeah. that one alive. Anything we hadn't really... Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that,
0: that's the effects of memory rehearsal. Really, that's right. And I was yeah. thinking
1: back to our episode about needle fear, where we learned that memory really doesn't kick in till around five. So it all made sense. Mm. We've managed to plug three different episodes here in this episode, maybe even four. Bow well birds. Done. Hang on, bow needle fear, <laughs> placebo, uh, placebo, Recebo. and fight, flight, and freeze. I got that well, one in too. Wow.
0: Four. Hello. I also mentioned the previous episode about music, so that's five.
1: Five. Oh, we've got such a back catalogue now. We can reference ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't finished. I've got more nerdery from my holiday. All right, um, continue. Um, where was I? Oh, yes. Okay, this was super interesting. So as I said, I lived there for 10 years, but the first, I would say, three to five days I needed to rely on my Google Maps to get me around the city. Mm-hmm. But... Then it all came back, Alina. I, I didn't yes. need it anymore. So it was mm. fascinating because those neural circuits, that navigation of that city. It's there, but it was just a bit rusty, but I could yeah. bring it back.
0: It just got Sorry. reactivated.
1: Yeah, just like if you, I imagine, I don't know another language, but I've heard this experience that you immerse yourself back in that culture and it comes back. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Just a huge shout out to my amazing friends who came to see us, especially Nat and Shay, who let me stay and gave me their car, their second car to drive around in. And also Sherry and family who let us stay. And Rachel also for her amazing hospitality. It was so hard to leave. I just love Perth. If anyone's looking for an interesting holiday, can't recommend it highly enough. The vibe, the lifestyle, the climate, the people, and of course, the botanical and zoological diversity. It's really just your happy place, isn't it? Oh,
0: it's so good. Yeah, I love Perth. I visited many times when you lived there and I Mm -hmm. also really
1: love it. Well, that's great. Thank you for that recap. Alina, I don't know what you have planned, but I am just being inundated by people asking for an update on your kitchen renovation. (laughs) (laughs) I'm serious. So, okay.
0: (laughs) I thought, (laughs) I think the last update I had said that the missing items from the random Swedish furniture (laughs) store, Yeah. Had arrived. And yes, so you did say that. It was all. It was all over. I remember. I was saying that. I, I know. Couldn't this is what I said. I said to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And it's it's a I up, like, and
0: I didn't think they would be right. Yeah, I and know. I've said this, but they're like, but but then what happened? Okay, I, I thought <laughs> I thought it was over. I think. Well, okay, fair enough. The last step was to actually get those installed, mm. and then the drawer handles that could not be installed because mm-hmm. the drawer covers weren't on also mm-hmm. needed to be installed mm. so that happened Maybe <laughs> it did a happen a few weeks later okay so this is what i failed to tell people <clears throat> i'm sorry i didn't know that
1: people needed <laughs> they need to know that the drawer fronts are there and that they have handles they need to know the drawer fronts are on the handles are on
0: it's all 100% <laughs> finished there is nothing left to do and <laughs> it, it looks, looks great. so good it is so good And we're very happy with it. I posted on Instagram. That's what I was going to say. I've told you. There's a a before and after picture on Instagram of one of the sets of drawers. So I don't
1: know if these people are not following us on Instagram. What are they doing? I was gonna say that we have a lot more listeners than we have followers. And we're a bit sad about it, to be honest. So if people want to come find us on Instagram, come on over. (laughs) Yeah, you can see the drawer fronts and the handles. (laughs) So there you go. It's it's finished. And yes, that will be so the end of this segment That now. segment is we, dead. We hope it that, will never return. Let's close the book
0: on that. Yeah, we're putting that to rest, you know, <laughs> until we, we do a bathroom renovation
1: or something. I know. I'll probably be renovating in, <laughs> in a few years. In which case
0: we we won't go with the the <laughs> random Swedish no, furniture store. No, I would not. I did have
1: one small thing
0: to mention, and I'm actually surprised that you didn't mention it, Janine. What is but it? I guess you've just been a bit preoccupied with your trip. But... Mm. What I have been squaring out on, of course, is
1: Björk has a new album. Oh, far out. And a new podcast. Yes. There you go. I was going to talk about that next episode, but go ahead.
0: Björk has a new album out and I've been listening to that. It's called Forsora. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that's what I'm going with. I think that sounds right. It's great. I'm really loving the song Ancestress. It's been in my head for the last five days, and I'm not, I don't have a problem with that at all. (laughs) It's just so good. And yes, she also has a podcast. And the podcast, have you listened to any of it? Not yet, because I'm I'm preoccupied with the album, but Mm -hmm. I will. Now, the podcast is called Björk Sonic Symbolism.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And what it is, is Björk. I'll read this from the description. Join mm-hmm. Björk in conversations with collaborators about her sound experiences. Mm-hmm. This podcast, you'll learn about the moods, timbres, and tempos that vibrate through each album. So there's an episode for each of her albums. I know. And if you listen to the trailer, she talks about that for each one, they talk about the cover of the album yes. and the posture that she's in. Yes. And the the visual that's coming through on the cover of the album and how that relates to the different sounds and
1: timbers and tempos that were used.
0: I so know. it's just
1: like so nerdy and so um, cool. It's so good. I have started listening to it. I started listening, I pre-downloaded it all for my flight. That was my I'm so excited. I'm just gonna binge this all on my mm. flight. Because that was a six-hour flight. But I couldn't enjoy it because you know, there's so much background noise on a flight. Yeah,
0: oh no. it, I know. And I was just li- like, you know, well, what? you got to get yourself to- some really good headphones. Exactly. Dude. I'm like,
1: this is not right. I need to give this the listening attention that it requires and deserves. So I, I have started and it was just already awesome, even with that poor sound quality. So now I'm waiting until I can do it properly. I just love her voice, like her <sighs> I speaking just love voice. Her. She's just the best. She's just the best. She describes this album as, um, I mean, I can't remember the exact words, but it's very much born out of the pandemic and being in isolation and grounding herself, going back to her roots and really almost like seeping into the earth. So there's a Mm. lot of visuals around fungi and Mm. soil. So hello. And she described it as biological techno. Hello.
0: So there's a little little bit of crossover with biophilia. It seems definitely, which is by far her most squarey album. <laughs> That's right. Have we <laughs> talked about that? I'm pretty sure we have. Okay, basically just go get into Björk and oh, Ginny, she's just, now you can she's, add. Please add Ancestress to the playlist. I will and any other Björk songs while you're at it, just add them all. There is
1: a there is a pile in there already, but I'm yeah. oh,
0: sure. People know that. I think we've mentioned before that we really like Björk. <laughs>
1: yeah. If she dies, my, because she is my queen. She is my queen. If she, she is my queen. She's just so cool. She will die, Alina. I think if I actually met her, I'd just like fall over.
0: I would be nervous meeting
1: Bjorn. Yes. 100%. Same for me. I would just feel like such a loser. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name's Alina and I have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and we just talk about you the whole time. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <sighs> I reckon I could, I would be stupid nervous, but I would definitely like talk to her about her insights into biology and fusing that with art. It's so cool. All right, we need to wrap this up. Thank you so much for joining us. Details of everything we've talked about will be available on our website as always. Please follow along on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And if you like... Yeah, please do follow us on Instagram. please do. You will get to see finished draw fronts.
0: Yeah. That's some (laughs) quality content.
1: (laughs) We don't post all that much, just enough to... Nah. It's good. You'll enjoy it. And if you like listening to Sister Doctor Squared, feel free to buy us a coffee via our ko page. You can find the link to this on the Support Us page of our website.
0: Yeah. You know, or don't. <laughs> it's up to you. It's
1: not mandatory. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> the cost of living is pretty bad at the moment. Well, look, we might get some funds from one of those um, Oscar Wiley OPSM flooding in now. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> we don't need ko <laughs> Yeah. Buy yourself a
0: chocolate instead. Buy yourself <laughs> some chocolate from Denmark. Mm. <laughs> All
1: right. Bye, everyone. Stay square out there. Bye.